Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of More Than a Title. I'm your host, Jared Thomas. Appreciate everybody for all the support and all the love. And as you guys know, we wanted to create this podcast today or podcast so we could just basically learn more about the person behind the title because I think there's so many of the same podcasts out there. We talk about marketing tips. We talk about what we do, but there's so many lessons in the personal journey. And today we have a special, special guest. This is one of my favorite people in Hootsuite. I'm going to let y'all know right now, like Maggie is the truth, y'all. So I've been in a lot of different big organizations and to have somebody that's like open, that talks to us, that's just, you know, just a great spirit. Um, and Maggie, it's just a pleasure. So let's introduce special guest, CMO of Hootsuite, Maggie Lower. How are you? Thank you. Well, I'm honored to be here. You've had some amazing guests. So I am I hope I can measure up, Jared. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, I know you are. They're going to love you like we do. So <laughs> that's it. So, you know, thank you for, for, for joining. And I'll, I'll start it off with the first time that we met, right? Yeah. So first first time we met, um, we were doing a, a, a conference, it was a big global organization meeting, right? And we're talking about the plans for 2022. And immediately, I, as soon as the CMO, soon Maggie came in, I leaned in a little closer. So I want to know, <laughs> I want to know, because usually those meetings, are, let's be honest, sometimes they're fluffy. Sometimes it's like, what are we doing? It's hard to figure out what the long range plans are. And I got everything immediately. And mm-hmm. the way you spoke to the team was just like, look, this is my vision. It was so crystal clear. And it's a lot of the principles that I think are, are you know, encompass a great marketing team. And then I text you immediately on LinkedIn. I don't know what made me do it. But I'm like, I'm like, Maggie, you are the best. I can't wait to see what's up. And then we just hit it off from there. And you've been just a big supporter of mine on, on my LinkedIn journey. And so I'm incredibly grateful. So um, hope that that's that's the table for everybody. But let's start with your journey, Maggie. Let's start from the beginning of your career. Um, take us from the beginning. Like, how did you get into marketing and where did, where did you find your passion for for it? So very non-traditional path, right? So I started in my career, um, you know, I got out of college with a history degree. I was like, maybe I'll be a lawyer. I don't know. Maybe I'll pursue (laughs) academia. I did some work as an undergrad um, at the National Archives. And then, you know, none of those things kind of stuck. And so Mm -hmm. um, an opportunity to work with uh, Bank of America. So in that time, I worked with some amazing people. And I would say a hallmark of my time there was I had phenomenal sponsors. So more than mentors, more than people that were just doling out advice. These are people that were willing to kind of break down walls for me and, you know, reach their hand back as they were going through their next door and bring me with them and train me. Cause I did not know what I was doing. I had a wonderful history degree, <laughs> right? I could communicate, but you know, you asked me how to navigate a PNL at 23, I would have looked at you terrified. Um, so I had people teach sure. me a lot. I was really, really fortunate. What the reason I share that is that I spent that first 10, I guess, 13 years of my career really on the PNL side, like really working I managed relationship teams. At one point, I managed an exchange desk. So we were mm-hmm. training short-term cash, worked in really technical roles and then also strategy roles. But by the end, I was really acting as like the number two to managing directors and PL leaders. And so I got to wow. look at everything. And wow. what I loved about that was no two days were the same. Uh, but yeah. what I started to really drift to was marketing. And as I got really passionate about marketing, I thought, How, who's going to give me a marketing job? I've, you know, I don't have a degree. So I was fortunate the bank sponsored me to get my executive MBA and it kind of took off from there. And and somebody really took a chance on me and said, listen, I'm going to go do this big transformation project. That's really what my, like, if you were to talk to somebody about my time at Bank of America, it would be corporate athlete and changing. Like I just, they would drop me into some really thorny <laughs> stuff. And like, can you just, can you just fix it? And I'm like, yes, like just, you know, <laughs> like when you're dropping people into the forest in a fire, you know, like I would yep. just kind of parachute in and they're like, just fix it. I don't really know how, just 
fix it, <laughs> you know? So, oh, man. And I like that. I actually, I kind of like that. I like having to figure it out on my own, but knowing there's somebody that, you know, if I need to ask questions to, I can go after it. But once I had that opportunity to, to be a CMO um, with Ann Hewitt, I was hooked. I mean, I absolutely loved it. It was more than anything that I, you know, got out of the courses in my um, yeah. MBA program, which was phenomenal. I mean, I learned as much from the other students in that program as, as from the professors, because it's just such a wonderful program. But what I loved was like the art and science of marketing. I'm like, this is going to bring yes. me the first 10 years of my career and I'm going to go learn all the other stuff that I wasn't exposed to. And marketing is just always changing. Like, like sure. anybody that says they're a marketing expert has not read anything today. Like marketing <laughs> is going to change by the end of this podcast. And you and I both know it, right? Yeah, so for sure. To really be successful at marketing, you, you got to come from a place of curiosity and humility. If you're yeah. not always learning, then you're going to get left behind, right? Like you can be an, an expert in an area, of marketing, but to say you're a marketing expert, I think is those are those are some pretty big claims. I oh, think that's profession fun, right? There's so much exactly fun. that that's the like you said the beauty of it, right? It changes constantly. You have to be, and it's, it takes a lot of creativity, right? I hate when marketers or just people in general feel like marketing has to be a specific way or yeah. it has to be done yeah. a certain way. Like I think it was a cool line that Udi said on the first episode. He was like, I was like, how did you come up with your strategy? He said, I walked into the CEO's office and it said a big sign population 8,000 who cares. Right. right? <laughs> Nobody cares. And he said he, right. he took that and he internalized that, but it's so true. Right. Like, so I'm curious for you, like when you first stepped into your first CMO role, right. What were the tasks and like, what were, what were some of the challenges you experienced or, or you faced in the role? You know, I think it's the same. There's there are a couple of things like in terms of my approach to every CMO I role, role I go into. One is what do you have? So like, what are you working with, right? And and that always for me starts with the team. So there's like people, process, technology. I think data yeah. is probably the fourth layer of that evaluation now. Absolutely. But I always start with people. So you know, for where we are as an organization, are these the people that got us to where we are, or are these the people that can take us to where we're going? And those are hard. Those are hard determinations to make, but I think they're really important. I think you have to be really disciplined about figuring out, you know, what got you here might not be what gets you there. So people's are really, I I always dig in on that side of it first. Um, So for me, it's figuring that out. It's understanding how the business makes money because a marketing program should not be designed without actually understanding how the business makes money. So really understanding what are the levers and the PL, how do we actually go about you know, winning new business. How do we delight yes. our customers? Do we not? Um, you know, do we're, so do we need to be focused on, you know, retention? Do we need more net new logos? Like what, like where do we want to put our, put our bets or do we need to put it behind all of them? And so yeah. to that end, when you go through that process, that should inform your org strategy. And I have a really strong yeah. point of view on this. I could line up 10 CMOs right now. And I talk to a lot of CMOs. I'm, I have a wonderful community of people that I adore that, and we're all really open with each other. Um, and, you wouldn't be able to look at two CMO org strategies and see them built the same way. Like literally like, we, like over dinner one night, we're like, just, let's just share our org strategies. Nobody. Because <laughs> we're all solving different things. Exactly. So like, you really have to be a student of like what works and what doesn't and what have you tried and what haven't you tried. And, you know, I put a lot of investment in my partners around the corporate table Mm -hmm. Um, so like, as I think about coming into this job, one of the things that was the most important to me, like, am I going to be working with 
the colleague going to be collegial? Are we going to be able to have tough conversations? Um, where are people in their career trajectory? What do they want to get from this? What do I want to get from this? And like that alignment's really important because I think the older I get, candidly, Jarrett, <laughs> mission alignment is everything. It's everything. It's key. So if you don't have mission alignment, I don't care what the money is. I don't care what the title is. Walk away. Because if you don't, if you're not aligned on mission, you're just not going to have much success. You're going to be this person out twisting and not not getting stuff done. So those are things that I think about. And so I think if you bring that into your own team, the team needs a mission, right? So I spent a lot of my first six months here just talking to people, you know, tell me, like trying to really, really engage in active listening. Tell me what's working. Tell me what's not working. Tell me, you know, where the soft spots are in terms of like, what are we doing really well? What's our strategy here? And then I did like a virtual listening tour and I asked people for their feedback. Like, what do they think is working? What part of our guiding principles resonate with you? And all of that informed building the org vision. So then, you know, we kind of like created this framework called the mindset of a marketing owl. So that's something that, you know, we're trying to embrace as a marketing team. Like, what are the mindsets that we need to be in? to really potential that we all know Hootsuite has to be. So it's yeah. a, it's a specific kind of process that I go through that's been honed over years of sometimes getting it right and sometimes getting it wrong. And I always learn a little Love bit that. more each time. Um, yeah. But that part of the process is fun. It's stressful. First six months is like, <laughs> I could imagine, especially when you're getting feedback from the team, right? Because like you're new and it's like, who do I rely on? I'm not saying that you can't rely on the team, but it's like, I want the, I want the honest truth. Right. And people are going to be like, Hey, that's Maggie as the CMO. Like, do I say what I really feel? And do I really say what's really broken or, you know, or you don't want to come off as a complainer. What if you know something's broken and don't have the solution? Yeah. Right. So that's I, a big thing. I have not experienced that people have held back a lot. Of, I mean, people are super, and you know this cause you work yeah. here. Like the culture here is, is so different from other it's, places. I think yes. we, we work with a lot of really kind thoughtful people. And at least my experience is that people have been pretty transparent. They've been, I mean, I think they want, people love marketing here. So they want marketing to be successful. So they want to tell me, you know, their thoughts on things. Um, But they do it in such a collegial, thoughtful way that those are fun conversations, even when they're hard, they're still really fun conversations. And I spend a lot of time trying to make sure that I have time to be in chases and part of sales. And yes. I think, it, it, you know, when you're not actually working with sales and you don't see what they're dealing with and the questions they're fielding and the things they're trying to solve for, I'm not sure how you could assert that your marketing programs are effective. Like, are you talking to so people? True. So that's really important. I've always, I've always been on the commercial side. So, you know, I, I want to get even more of our marketing owls out in the field, out on deals and, and they want it too, which is super exciting. Yeah, that's the. I'll be honest with you, Maggie. That's the only reason I'm not on the marketing side. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like people have come to me all the time, like JT, why the hell aren't you on the marketing side? Like why aren't you doing this? And I love marketing, but I love talking to the customer more. But you know, if that should ever change, there's a whole conversation we could have. <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 I'm de facto marketing marketing team member. So whatever Melissa you need, I'm here. Me. Melissa will kill me, but it's okay. <laughs> 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 but that, that that's like the, the biggest thing. Like you, you hit the nail on the head, Maggie, right? The sales and marketing alignment, right? I can't tell you how many times I've been in different organizations where marketing sits way over there and then sales is in its own bubble, right? They have their own stuff. Like we're, they're pointing at us. Hey, leads are, we're sending you leads, right? We're like, they're not qualified. We don't know anything about them, right? And it's always that tug of war between sales and marketing. But when you have that alignment, like 
we're on the front lines, right? So our in- input is vastly needed in the organization, right? Like conversations I'm having with my customers are going to be completely different. We have audience personas built out. We know who our customers are, but you don't know until you really know. And then yeah. you're in the weeds with them and you're actually rolling up your sleeves and working with them. So like to have that both side of the fence, I think that's what makes this role like that I'm in, like in the AM makes it perfect for me, right? So I don't have to go out there and, you know, um, hunt or anything like that. It's like, no, let's connect the dots. <laughs> like, what are you doing outside the platform? Exactly, exactly. And I think the more that you really, you know, understand your product and the more that you're talking to these customers, like you just, it, it's like anything, you just keep refining and refining and refining. Okay. But having that feedback loop between sales and marketing, it's so critical because nobody in marketing wants to be building something that sales doesn't want to use. Nobody wants that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, it's just trying to like carve that time out to make sure that, you know, marketing is a department that gets pulled on by every other area of the company, right? So, yeah. you know, marketing gets involved in so many different areas of the business. So, you know, it's something that we have to stay really intentional about the number one thing we have to do is help us sell more to more people and make that's that process it. easier. Like, that's our number one objective. <laughs> that's it. And I, I, what do you think about, like, I think you, you know you know better than anyone, right? Like, it's no more a selling process. It's more of a buying process now, right? People are getting their information from all different sources. It's your peers. It's your content, your blogs. It's, it's groups, forums, Discord, all that other stuff, right? So what do you think are some of the things that... Um, that excites you about that process being that it's a very fragmented approach now it's not like back in the day you you download the webinar or the ebook and it's like hey i got a lead right so like what excites you about that being able to have so many different touch points with the customer you know i think what excites me about it is that you really have to have a multifaceted content strategy so yes. that's something that's so critical and, and i mean you know you know the stats as well as i do what like 70 percent of the buying journey is already completed before they ever talk to somebody in sales so that there's this huge there's this huge lift, right, that has to come from how are you showing up digitally? How are you showing up at conferences? How are you showing up out in social media, for example? And so what's neat about that is you can create these big pillar pieces, but then how do we take these big pillar pieces like trends and some of the state of social media and turn that into a bunch of other places for us to interact with customers? Because there there are probably a few that'll read the whole report. There are probably thousands that want to read a tweet <laughs> and exactly. that want to look at one post on LinkedIn. And so that's what I think has gotten really interesting is really studying content effectiveness, right? Yes. And like having KPIs against content effectiveness, because, you know, I think we do an amazing job and I, I, I believe this, we do an amazing mm-hmm. job at volume, right? And For so sure. a lot of what we're really focused on is quality and conversion. And how do we really make sure that, you know, that, that like is somebody that interacts with this piece of content more inclined to go further faster than somebody with this set of interactions. And so that's the part that's fine. Cause it's, it's a little nerdy, yes. it's a little data nerdy, but it's that's also science. How do we yep. go to some really cool content stuff as, as you know, with these insights. And so, you know, there's always more work to do, but that's, that's the part that I think is so so fascinating. I mean, it's no longer just these like white papers and blue papers and yes, boring stuff that, you know, we all say we're reading, but are we really reading them? Probably not. You no. know, <laughs> no. shout, shout out to Jake Dunlap. He said something uh, last year on the podcast. He said, when was the last time, JT, when was the last time you snuggled up by the fireplace with your ebook? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like I'm like, damn it. I've never done this ever. And, and if we're being honest, yeah. if I'm being honest on the sales side, I've never read a piece of article, like an ebook or something like that. And it made me more inclined to buy it provided more information sure. but i already know where i want to go with it right so that's that's the journey of it what really excites me about marketing is the stuff that we can't measure mm-hmm. 
That's what I get excited about, which goes back to that science piece, like dark social and, you know, how are these, you know, things like, for instance, we have 300,000 followers out of the 300,000 followers. Who is a customer? How did they become a customer? What, are, what is their sentiment? And how does that increase or decrease day by day based on the posts that we provide? Yep. So like stuff like that really excites me. And like you said, with the content strategy, it's just repurposing it. Right. We have. Well, so and much- yeah. But don't you I think the other thing that that such a it's such a positive. Right. Is. Mm-hmm last two years, I think, are holding every company to a standard of humanity. Like, yes. you no longer just get to be in the business of printing money without any sort of accountability for how you show up and do that. And, you know, to, to where I am and what I do, that's exciting because I want to be I want to be involved in purpose driven brands like I want to yes. be involved in you know, companies that are trying to do more with the platform and the seat at the table that they have. And so that kind of gets back into that branding conversation. And, you know, to your point about like dark funnel, dark social, those things are all really interesting, but you can't, you can't take your eye off of the branding. And what I've loved seeing is more and more thought leadership coming through around getting that balance between performance marketing and brand marketing, right? Yes. Because it's the brand marketing that really helps fuel the effectiveness of the performance marketing. And it's really wonderful performance marketing that helps get us deeper into the funnel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you take your eye off brand, which is the hardest thing to sell because it's the most expensive and the most complex, but when you get it right, it unlocks so much value and it drives consideration and preference and you, you can't put a dollar amount in some of those things but the, it's yeah. hard work and it's it's not a problem you solve in 60 days or 90 days like sure. it's you solve over thousands millions of micro interactions with a company that tell you who they are like i don't own the brand customers yeah. own the brand customers own the brand in terms of how they feel about it what we can do is just try to put our best foot forward in everything that we do and that that's Absolutely. exciting. It's infuriating at times. I'm not going to yeah. lie. It's really, really. I mean, the last time we spoke about, I've done a couple of brand launches and we always, there's always like a moment of silence right before we like put up the new website. We're like, this is the last moment we own our baby, you know, yeah. like yeah. And it's done. Right. So, so it's a neat, it's a neat challenge, but it, it, it forces us to stay super connected to our customers and our communities. Like if you're not spending time on that, you're, yeah. you know, you're on a slow death march. It's, no, it's, for sure. It will catch up with you. It will catch up with you. But, but I'm curious to the follow up on that, Meg. I think you made some great points. Like, so what does in 2022, what is a, a good branding like opportunity look like? Right. Because I like, say, for instance, you have the Super Bowls, you have the, the creme de la cremes in terms of branding. Right. But like I me as a market, I could imagine being in your shoes and somebody saying, hey, you got a million dollars budget get us in front of as many eyeballs as possible and not being able to track that and being able to, like, I would be nervous. I would be like frustrated yeah. all the above. Like, so how do you identify a good branding opportunity to say, Hey, you know, we're going to get a million impressions here and it's going to be worth the dollar amount. Like, how do you quantify that? So is there a way to do that? I don't know if there's a way to do it, but I can tell you like my perspective on it. Um, okay. And I think that there's a, I think there's a couple of things. One, what we really want to do is take back social. You know, yeah. what we really want to do is think about how like, social is a catalyst for good, because I think we hear all the negative stories. But I think that, you know, we're looking out ahead and we see there's also all these wonderful barriers that are broken down in social and everybody's welcome. Right. Yes. And there are some people out there that do some pretty ugly things, but we don't have to we don't have to celebrate them. We can celebrate sure. them that are doing really good things. And so for me, as I think about branding opportunities, 
I'm always looking for ways to uniquely get at communities that you might not be able to just through digital means. So for example, we're doing this main street bus tour right now. So we've um, worked with a creator named Mayan Gordon and she and her husband has converted a school bus and we're sponsoring her getting out to all of these cities in North America over the, the next 18 to 24 months really just to teach people about the power of social. Like you can get a business going on social. You can turn your side hustles into your dreams, into a living. And that part was really, really intriguing. And I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. She sent me a direct message through LinkedIn. I'm like, there's something here. I didn't have the KPIs figured out in my head. We didn't even really have that partnership figured out. But the more we kept talking, we're like, there's some synergies here and we're going to figure it out. We're just going to keep going until we figure it out. And it's been... Yeah just a phenomenal partnership. And I don't, I don't see anybody thinking about things in quite that way and actually takes us somewhat back to our roots, right? Like exactly. We believe socials for everybody. Like we want to be a source of joy and that those opportunities are the one that get my attention. You know, we're working with a dance agency right now just to, you know, think about, you know, there's like the TikTok opportunity and reels yeah. and all these other places where, you know, let's just be, I mean, the science says dance releases joy. The endorphins release joy. <laughs> There's, there's something to it. Right. And so, you know, those, again, it was somebody that sent me just a really intelligent, thoughtful email that thought there would be mission alignment between what I've tried to do with my career and what they're trying to do with their agency. And now we're working together. And so I talk about this a lot, but I, I think that when you find partners that are aligned with your mission, a lot of magic comes from that, that might not be in the SOW. They're, they're, they're bought into what you're doing in a different way that somebody that's just trying to give you a discount on the rate card and when your business is not going to be able to deliver because they're just not passionate. So, so it's a very long winded answer, but I wanted to give you real examples, but my point is I really gravitate toward branding opportunities that I feel create some emotional resonance. So if they don't, I'm just not going to do it. Even if the numbers look, really good because anybody can make numbers look good. Let's be honest. We both know exactly. How to do it, right? exactly. It's, it's about creating feelings and it's about creating a bond and a, and a, and a way of, you know, striking trust. And we don't get very many opportunities to do that. So I think that's really what drives how we're making a lot of our branding decisions. We're moving a lot more, you know, in the direction of experiential marketing and yeah. getting out and talking about the possibility and where we want to go. And so it's, it's, there's it. no one equation. And listen, I am not sitting, I'm not sitting at a B2C brand that I've got a billion dollar ad budget. Like I have to make really thoughtful decisions about where, where we put our money. Right. So there's yeah. got to be this really strong balance between, you know, key performance marketing lovers, you know, really thinking about our external comms strategy, which ours is very robust um, mm-hmm. and, and balancing that with like brand and product marketing and customer marketing and marketing operations yeah. and like that and demand gen. And yeah. so how do we, how do we stitch all those things together? And, you know, I think you got to talk to your team a lot. We were actually, mm-hmm. since you're a, you are a book person, I will share that I had my last team meeting and I gave everybody a copy of this book, Radical Candor, Radical Candor, which is what we're reading right now. And it's about, you know, being candid is actually not, it doesn't give you permission to be an ass. Sorry, Jarrett. No, no, no. No, I love the authenticity. This is what it's about. (laughs) Um, But when, when delivered the right way, it's actually better for both people. Like if you can be, if you can find a way to deliver candor with kindness and thoughtfulness, 
Absolutely. you're going to be unstoppable. And so that's something we're working on. Like politeness doesn't really have a place in trying yeah. to drive profitable growth in a, in a thoughtful way, but kindness does. You can still be kind, right? Yeah, but you, you got to be willing to have conversations that other teams aren't willing to have. And those are the kinds of teams I want to put together and work with. For sure. I think you hit the nail on the head again. Like, like, first of all, provoking an emotional reaction is key, right? That's how I drove my strategy. And I'll give you a quick story about how I met Maya, right? So my, when Maya, I didn't know you knew her. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah so she, me and her, when she, she was a TikTok star. So when she came over to LinkedIn, I saw 6 million views on TikTok and she's like, Hey, I'm bringing my child over here. And I'm like, Hey, mine space out this and maybe <laughs> add this hashtag. And I'm like, just amazing. trying to help. And we're just helping each other. Like she was so cool. And we just kept in touch over the years. And when I saw her working with, with us, I'm like, oh, this is fire. Like mine is the truth. Like this is just amazing how, how small of a world it is. But um, back to your point about creating emotional, you know, um, resonating emotionally with customers, right? That's how I've built my entire brand, right? And I even hate saying brand because it's just me being me, right? But promoting right. an emotion, like say for instance, like we say if somebody uses Amplify and say, they say, hey, we have a new account manager role, right? Versus to something I posted the other day. It was like, hey, six months ago, I was depressed. I was feeling down, man. I didn't have my spark. I wasn't there. I was in between jobs. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I had no unemployment. I was like, I got to get this job within a month and make it happen. And it was just crazy. And But once I share that and share what are happening now in Hootsuite and what opportunities and what doors are opening up, now it's like, oh, man, I, I, I like that. I can, I, can, I can follow your journey, right? I can go get a beer with this dude, right? Damn, I might even apply to Hootsuite now because they're allowing him to wear the hat and the hoodie and be himself, right? Mm -hmm. So those type of things that really matter. And so when people ask me like, hey, how are you being able to get your brand, which I'll tie back to what you're saying, is just give, 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 give. Yeah. What makes it work for me is that I don't ask anybody for anything. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, the way I did my whole outbound strategy, like when I was with iPool Rank, was, you know, and we got up to 1.9, close to $2 million of no emails, no cold calls. Maggie was insane. So yep. it was insane. So, and it was just, I didn't have a strategy. It was just, Hey, I just knew every other week or something like that. I would get a VP, a CMO, somebody hit me up on LinkedIn DM say, Hey, this is my problem. Can you solve it? I've been following you for two years. Never liked the post, never reshared anything, but you just been watching and you yeah. follow that journey. And then it makes you want to connect with that person. And I seen my sales cycle go from four and a half, five months for a six-figure deal to two and a half weeks, Maggie. We get on the phone, we're sitting there talking, we're smiling. You're bringing the team on. You show me the dog, the family. I'm showing you my family. And then the SOW's out. And well, it was just lovely. I think you're talking about brand in the way that I like to think about brand, which brand, brand really at its core is a set of beliefs, right? Exactly. Everything else that comes from it is production. It's a way to convey those beliefs in a way that feels consistent. But branding at its core, when done well, is really it's really just a set of beliefs. It's a set That's of it. beliefs about how That's you it. want to show up for all of your stakeholders and what you stand for. And I think branding done well is when that comes through, right? It exactly. isn't just about having wild colors or, you know, spicy brand voice. It's, it's gotta be an expression that feels authentic and true to your core set of beliefs as a company. Exactly. Uh, my, my, my mentor, Ken Gibbs, he, he runs Spotify social media. He tells me something all the time. It always stuck with me. Social media is just managed perception. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's just managed perception. Right. So what story do you want to give off and what story do you want to tell? Because we all have them. And this yeah. is why I like things like this work. Right. And I'm curious for you. I, I'm going to ask this question about personal branding, Maggie. Yeah. What do you see as the future of personal branding? Oh, that's interesting. Um, 
you know, I think that there's a reason that TikTok is catching fire right now. And mm-hmm. and I don't have a stat for this, but maybe there's mm-hmm. one out there that I should go find if I'm going to say this out loud. But part okay. of the reason that I think that TikTok is attracting people, it's authentic content. It's not, mm-hmm. you're not just seeing super polished influencers showing up. And I mean, there's some of that too. I don't want to yeah. say that there's not that, but but, you know, when you go down a hole, you know, and on TikTok, which let's be honest, we both have done it, right? Like, yep. <laughs> like my mental health breaks are TikTok breaks. I'm like, I just <laughs> for 10 minutes yeah. and then I come back to this and get through it. I think the future of personal branding is going to be people that make really thoughtful decisions about what they share and what they don't share. Because at the end of the day, for me, personal branding is I never want to lose the ability to tell my own story. So I talk I about it. the things that matter. To me, from a social justice perspective, I'll talk about, you know, career pathing and different things like that. I'll talk about my career journey, but I don't share everything. And it's because those I want to keep some things for myself and I want to keep some things for my community. And, you know, that evolves, by the way. I also I have different moments where I'm like, well, I'm going to go share more. Um, And I think that's an important element of social in general. I mean, I was talking to a, a bunch of Gen Z folks the other day who still said they feel intimidated by social and I was yeah. like, that's completely normal. Don't, that's, sure. not, that's not abnormal. You don't have to be comfortable. I said, but you can just go out and you can observe for a little while and get comfortable observing and decide what platforms make sense for you. I'm not on every platform. I can't manage that for my, oh, no. that's just not the way that it works for me. And so I think the future of, of personal branding isn't going to be showing up and being everything for everybody. I think the, like it's knowing you know what lanes you can authentically own and really thinking about owning those in a thoughtful way. Cause I think once you open up that aperture and you're like, I'll do anything, I'll promote any, it's like everything becomes nothing. So do you you stand for anything or do you stand for everything? Right. It's like, so true. If nothing's important. So why would you believe me? Like, why would you believe me if I was out pitching and posting for everything? Cause I wouldn't. So So that's that's kind of, I, I think it's people that, actually take the time to think about what do you want to share? What do you not want to share and being really intentional about those decisions? Um, I think that's the future of personal branding. So true. And I I agree with you hundred percent. I think, I think personal branding is only going to grow as we continue in the years. I think I truly believe B2B in the next couple of years. um, Somebody told me this, another CEO, but he said, every company is going to be like a digital media agency and we are all our own digital media agency. Right. So it's basically what we what do we what stories do we want to tell? How do we want to connect with those people? Right. And like for me, I think about this all the time. Like what happens if I get 100,000, 200,000 followers? What does that look like within a brand? What if the podcast blows up? Yeah. What, is the, what, if, what does that look like within a brand? Right. So it's like these are uncharted territories for me. Right. And that's what makes me so excited because I'm like, I don't know, but I know I love where I'm at. I know I love what I do. But how can that help the brand? And I would love to know over time how this actually impacts the brand if it does at all. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. that's what I like to think about in terms of personal branding. And for those who are just on the fence, I'll tell you right now, it's changed my life way more than I could ever explain. That's why when people ask me about it, I'm passionate. I'm smiling. I'm like, man. I had no connections. If you talked to me on the phone, you said I was cool. But other than that, when I needed quota, I could have nobody to reach out to. That's right. That's right. I had nobody. And it was just like, hey, let me, hey, can you do this? Can you do me a favor? Nobody would give me a favor. Now, if I'm down, like, it's just cool. Like, for instance, um, I told you about it when we spoke last week, right? Mm-hmm. But Ross Simmons was a good friend of mine at a podcast. He ended up making a big article about the six, uh, the, the content engine of Hootsuite. Yep. 
And then just to see that as a friend, I'm like, holy moly, now that's my friend. That's my brother. And now let me connect them with Hootsuite and let's figure out how we could collaborate together. Because I think another part of future of marketing is going to be the collaborative efforts between brands, right? I think I said this last week, like, why can't there be B2B collaboration, sort of like streetwear, where it's like Supreme and Tommy Hilfiger, right? Why can't there be a Hootsuite and Nike? Why can't there be a this and that, right? And what does that look like? Well, and there will be. I mean, you know, be, anybody that's working in a B2B company is still a consumer, right? So you're going to see that merging happen. Like, well, I think there was somebody, I think, I can't remember who t- t- coined it this, but prosumers. It's like, so professional consumers. So it's, it's like, it's like you forget that people that show up like you and me every day and we work at Hootsuite, it's like we don't exist outside of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, I no. go out in the world, I buy groceries, I go do other stuff, right? And I, I take in bits of the world. And one of the things that um, when I was in graduate school, the head of the journalism school sat next to me in one of our mm-hmm. sessions, just, just by chance. And so I got to chat with this person and it's mm-hmm. one of the top journalism schools. And he said, I said, listen, like, what if I don't want to read every article and I won't, I won't name, I won't shame any publications, but what if I don't <laughs> read every article and X, Y, and Z. But what I really like to do sometimes is like take snippets of different things. And I always read people and I always, I like, I like trivia and I love pop culture and I love film and all of and music. I'm a music junkie. And he's like, yeah. do all of those things. He's like, don't let anybody tell you that there's one way to be taken seriously as an executive because all those things inform and spark creativity. And it was like, oh, cool. I am not going to wait to go to Walgreens to get my people. I'm just going to get a subscription now. I'm going legit. You know, That's so it. <laughs> like have this conversation with such a cerebral person um, who I respected say, listen, there's all different kinds of ways to get smart about a topic and to think about creativity. And it's informed a lot of how I've carried myself into the next, you know, decade and a half of my career. Like I'm unapologetic about like mm-hmm. who I am and I'm equally as open about who I'm not. That's it. Right? That's and I, it. Think, I think the more that you open yourself to that, the better you become at, you know, personal branding. Like you can't, you can't go out and be somebody on social and not expect to get called out for it at some time. You know, for if sure. you're, if you're not going to, if you're not going to be somebody that kind of walks the walk, then, and then, you know, expect to get some, some blowback and we're all flawed. For sure. We're all going to make all mistakes. Perfect. If you try to do as much right as you can, you'll get forgiveness for the mistakes you make. And That's I think it. that has to be part of the conversation in social. Like we talk, we're talking about courageous creativity and a lot of yeah. what sits at the heart of that is, you know, you got to be courageous. And when you're courageous, you spark joy. And when you're sparking joy, you can hit your creative output. And I feel really That's strongly it. about that. that. I think it makes tons and tons of sense. And we get two and a half seconds to get somebody's attention on social now, Jarrett, two and a half seconds. Two and a half seconds. You better be pretty freaking intentional about what you want to convey in that two and a half seconds. Do you want people mm-hmm. to feel good? Do you want them to feel FOMO? Do you want them to feel motivated? Because if you want them to feel bad, done. So true. So true. Somebody asked me this the other day and I said this to them. They're like, man, how are you? I think it was the same post I was talking about when I was saying I was depressed. They man, like, how are you so authentic? How are you willing to to give yourself up? I was like, it's harder for me to be. It's easier for me to be myself. It was harder for me to be somebody else for eight years. You know, (laughs) I think that was the hardest part for me because I've lost those ways. And they're like, hey, how did you start that? I failed being somebody I wasn't. And I said, if I'm going to fail again, I'd have to fail my way. Yep. And and then luckily from there, it just didn't happen. So uh, I'm through the grace of God. Like I tell anybody, just be yourself, man. Cause there's no better fit. It's like a weight off your shoulders of yeah. just being like, look, I can be myself. And I, I'm being honest. And this, I, I want to ask you one question before we get off. Like, yeah. but I'm starting to see it more. Like 
even the impact I'm having in Hootsuite. Like I look around at the team meetings now, I'm starting to see a few fitted hats. I love it. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Let's get it going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, you, you talk about like being authentic so that you can fall, you know, in your own way. Like you got to pick yourself up in your own way. So if you haven't authentically fallen on your own terms, it's going to be really hard to pick yourself back up and try That's to it. be a person that you haven't inhabited. So That's yeah, it. we are in violent agreement on that. And I think, but I think sometimes you got to get, you got to work for it. You know, you got to realize that That's you can't it. do it everybody else's way. You got to do it your way. And That's unfortunately, it. those lessons are hard. I've had them. It sounds like you've had them, but oh, I'm, better, sure. I'm better for it. You're better for it. We're stronger for it. Absolutely. And speaking of the last question I wanted to go, which kind of segues nicely to this, right? So what would you say was the biggest failure in your career? And what was the biggest lesson you learned from it? The biggest failure in my career. And I hate saying failure because I don't think anything's a failure. It's just lessons learned. So I hate the word failure. No, we call them learnings in marketing. We call That's it learnings. That's it. Uh, yes, because we don't want people to be afraid to fail or they won't try a lot of things. Um, exactly. So I would say the biggest learning that I've had in my career is I was so heads down working so hard in my 20s and early 30s and you know, still now, but that period was really about the hustle, right? Yeah. And I spent no time on networking. I invested nothing in relationships. And part of it, I was in a very white male, white cis male hetero <laughs> environment. So, you know, there's probably a reason that I wasn't reaching out a whole lot, but I really didn't invest in something that gives me a lot of joy now and has opened up a lot of doors. So like I was reticent about social media. I, and now I find a lot of management scale comes from social. I can put my values out in a way that my team knows who I am. I can connect with them through DM, you know, For things sure. like that. But I feel like I missed a big chunk where I could have been those things, those connections that I have, those are what get me through a bad day. Like they're a rough. Sure. It's I have this whole cohort of people that I went to graduate school who are some of my first calls when I'm like, how do I solve this? I, I'm not getting to the right answer. Can you just tell me what to do? Yeah. <laughs> we talk through it. Right. And I, I think that that was a big miss. And I like now when I talk to earlier career professionals that kind of dismiss networking, cause it's work. You, there's a reason that work is in the word networking. <laughs> like you got to yeah. commit to it. It's going to, you're going to have to make trade-offs for other areas of your life, but I didn't do it at all. I didn't do it wow. at all. And wow. that was a big miss. And I think I've done, I, I think I've done pretty well because I've worked hard and put my head down, but I was, I was fortunate that I had sponsors. If I wouldn't have had sponsors, I think I would have missed out on a lot of opportunity because I was so heads down and so focused on the work and so focused on making sure I was producing like a superior project and a product. And I think the other thing that has been a hard one learning perfection is toxic. Like yes. there's just no, there's no benefit to perfection, you know, and the older yeah. I get, the more that I, I realize it was never even a very good goal to have. Right. But right. you know, we're wired to get A's and above a 4.0 and then you get into the work world and you're like, they're always going to give me more work than I can do. Well, exactly. So how do I figure that out? And it took, it took a while for me to figure that out. And now I just, I try really hard not to have, I want to have impact be a goal and have a strong degree of professionalism. And I take what we do and what we produce really seriously, but perfection, not a goal, not a healthy goal. Can't be that. No, that's so true. Progress always, perfection, not important. One day at a time, right? And I'll I'll share one of my biggest learnings, and I definitely think, 
just not being afraid to fail, right? And I'll give you a quick story of why I'm not afraid to fail, right? So when I was about 26, I was working at an agency, right? I was a VP of sales, right? I had just came from Con Lions. I was one of their first employees. I ended up leaving there. I'm like, I want to get on the creative side. I rap, I do music. I can help a brand do something, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, I could do something. I could do this. Let me get on the stage. I could do this thing. And um, long story short, I get there. You know, we're about to close a big deal. Um, I end up, you know, having a, a discrepancy with the CEO, right? I, I had to just stand on my values. I quit. It was garden commission. I thought I was going to get a certain amount. Didn't happen. Whatever, right? This is my first time ever quitting a job. Didn't know I don't get unemployment without it. So don't, didn't, didn't think that through. Hard one lessons. Hard lessons. So I'm literally, I've got like maybe... I've got three months maybe worth of savings, right? And I'm like, I'm young, I got energy, I'm enthusiastic, I can, I can find a job, right? I was a VP, wrong. Every single <laughs> every single company I went to was like, you was only there for four months, you was only there for four months, were you really a VP? They can't call the job back because we had a bad discrepancy. I doubt she was gonna say something good about me. So I'm like, hmm, what do I do, right? So long story short, I'm at this last, last interview for this job, right? I'm down to my last 200 bucks. My mom and dad tells me to come on an Atlantic City trip. I'm on a bus, whatever, the whole family's there. I'm like, I got 200 bucks. I just threw it on roulette, threw it on red. I lost. Boop. I literally have nothing in check-ins and nothing in savings. I'm on the casino floor crying my eyes out. And I wasn't homeless or anything, but my mom and dad, I know they would look out for me. But me having a son at that time, is like, I just felt worthless, right? Yeah. The story, the crazy part of that story is 10 minutes later, as I'm crying on Resorts Casino in Atlantic City, their floor, the, the, the floor room, I'm crying. Like, ah, I can't do it. I get a call from a recruiter. Shout out to Aaron Menken. I'll never forget him. He calls me on a Saturday, 10 minutes from when I got there, when I started, when I lost my money. He said, Jared, I wasn't supposed to do this for you, but I got a call from the job. They're going to give you the offer on Monday. And I said, 10 minutes from that. So that wasn't the biggest lesson that I ever heard. It was just like, I, I, I hit the bottom, right? But then I wasn't afraid to hit the bottom and I knew what it was. And it was just like, that's how the stars align. So when it comes to me giving it a try or me trying to do something like, I could have been homeless. I couldn't have been here. I could have been doing a bunch of thousand, thousand different things differently that a lot of other people in my neighborhood are doing. And I just wasn't that. And to be persevered through that stuff, to be where I am today, to be speaking with you, Maggie, like, that's what that's what means something to me. And like, that's one of my biggest lessons. So don't be afraid to fail to anybody is listening. You know, you're going to hit rock bottom one time. Right. But it all that matters is how you brush yourself off. How do you get up? How do you how do you keep going? How do you keep on you know, shedding your light to everyone? So like that, that's one thing I definitely want to share with you. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's wonderful. Can I ask you a question before we go? Sure, sure. Please. You, you and I've had wonderful conversations just around like your your perspective on how to care for customers and clients. Mm-hmm. Where, where does that come from? Like, what, what are those moments that give you pure joy with your customers? Because I think it's really special. I love I think I think you should share your perspective on that. I, I, it's really unique and wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I just love having a great experience. Right. So I try to be friends with my clients. Right? I like I, when you have a synergy between a client and yourself and you're actually friends, you want to do more. Right. And you're so you put more pressure on yourself to do better for them. Right. And to give you context, like I was a waiter. Mm-hmm. So when I before I started in sales, I was a waiter. So I, you know, if I want to make this money, I have to create the best experience possible. So I'm all about creating that experience, right? If I seen somebody drinking water and I seen you was down, I'm already coming there. I see yeah. you, you know, taking your, you know, using your napkin, taking barbecue sauce off your hands. I got <laughs> wet mats. You don't need to do none of that. I've got yep. you. Here's forks. Here's hot water. Yep. You you don't trust the forks. Here's everything. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and that's what that's about. And I just translate that into sales now. Right. So and you just got to you got to ask the hard questions early. Right. Look, I'm trying to earn your business. I haven't earned anything. So when I was going into these AM accounts, it was I don't know you. You don't know me. These are my strengths and this is where I can help you. And I know my goal is to earn your business by the end of this conversation, by the time renewal comes up. So help me help you list out everything you do like, list out what you don't like. And we're going to work towards that. And I feel like if we have that partnership together, then it's game over. And thank God I've got some really, really cool clients. Like I love them. (laughs) They're super cool. They're watching right now. Love y'all. Just got off some calls. So, you know, that's what it's all about. Just creating that one experience. Right. Because if you have that experience, how can you go to a competitor? How can you? Listen, uh, you can't. But I think you just identified the third leg of the stool, right? So don't be afraid to fail. Network yeah. with intention and authenticity and wait tables. That's <laughs> it. Not treat people how you want to be That's treated. We'll wait tables at some point. Like you learn more life. And you can't just do it for a month. You need to do it. People can have a good month and see some nice tips and think, well, that's not so hard. Do it for six months. Do it for a year. Do, do, do Try it. to get your rent. And, college and after Waiting tables teaches you a lot about life and a lot about customers. A lot service. about life, and, a lot and, about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, say, I say the best, I also say, I would add, the best marketers and salespeople are also creatives. Like people who work yeah. in like the waiter, but also it's like the people who do music, the people who are artists, the people who do those things, like that creativity and being able to tap into that and then bring it into a business environment. The best sellers I've ever had always did music or did some sort of music or something like that. So if, if I'm looking at any recruiters, if I'm asking for a sales and marketing job, I would want to know right off the bat. Do you do music? Do you do this? Are you a creative? Let's yeah. bring them on in. Like, I love that. So, you know, thank you. Thank you so much, Maggie. Before we, we end you. off, I know we went over time. Like, just fine. This is great. Thank I you. I want to say, no, thank you, Maggie. Like, because I'm going to be honest with you. When I first came here, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I love the people. Darren sold me. I just knew the people I wanted to be around. But like when I got the 10,000 followers and I seen your comment about the light and like, I can't tell you how much that makes me feel. Even for Tom, like I've gotten messages from Tom and just like, hey, man, Merry Christmas to you and your family, like stuff like that. And I just want to tell you guys to continue to be you because like it means a lot to me. It makes me want to be here. It makes me want to go to bed. It makes me want to, you know, make this the best podcast ever so we could win. It just makes me want to be involved with you guys. So, you know, I've got so much love for you. Um, I'm so happy I had the opportunity to work with you and just happy to see where the hell we are next year. I know we'll be somewhere. And I'm so glad you feel that way. We love it here and we want everybody to love it here. And, um, you know, thank you. I think I love what you're doing. And I think what you do is really important and you do it with so much joy and care. So, Anytime you need anything, I'm here. And thank you for everything you. you do. We're very proud of you. And we love, keep keep on going. That's all I'll say. Keep on going. We're going. We're doing it. So thank you again, everybody, who for joining. Um, we're going to be on this clip. This clip is going to be on Spotify shortly later tonight. And then next week, we on Monday, we have a special one. We actually have Christina Williams showing up. She's actually CEO of Unpacked, which is a Beyonce-backed brand. So I would love to have that. Uh, can't wait to hear her story, her personal journey. And once again, thank you guys for listening to More Than a Title, Episode 3. See you guys next week.